This is exactly right. Adulting is hard, but it doesn't have to be impossible. If you want to hear more about ways you can actually live your best life, check out How to Be a Better Human. Each week, comedian Chris Duffy sits down with an expert to talk about the realistic and often unexpected ways you can improve your life. This season on How to Be a Better Human, learn how thinking about death can actually make your life happier, why it's never too late to make a change, and more. Find How to Be a Better Human wherever you get your podcasts. Hey. Oh, hi. <laughs> Damn. It's like you've had a black tea or something. I feel like there's a little caffeine up in there. <laughs> Anyways, it feels like everything is so violent. Like yesterday, I was at a kid's birthday party. Mm. And we were just, we were talking about like laundry and then like trying to find like a new daycare or like a mm-hmm. preschool. And then I just said, I, I just had got to bite the bullet. I'm like, why is everything so violent and or a gun reference, right? Uh, have you seen where we live? I mean, have <laughs> you read the headline? <laughs> like, no. We got a gun fetish. We got to find a new way to talk. We found a new way to talk. We have to find a new way to talk because America does feel like the Costco of countries. It's just too big. There's too many aisles. No one can agree on anything. And um, where do we get our guns? Hey, everyone. I'm Michelle Buteau. This is Jordan Carlos. Welcome to Adulting. We're fun. We're fun. I think that's something people do in their 40s is they declare what they are. They're just like, you know what? I'm fun. (laughs) You know what? It's so funny. I don't think it's like a 40s thing. I think it can happen like at any decade in your life. But it is that thing like fake it till you make it. Like, who are we trying to convince? You or me? Like, I'm cool. I'm cool. You know, because you want to be cool. And I get it. I just went to a dinner party Saturday night and I started talking about like wills. Sure. Like, do you guys have a will? Because Prince didn't have a will. And like, His estate has gone to the government. That's like what he didn't want. And everyone's looking at me like, are you okay? And I'm like, I promise you I'm fun. I promise (laughs) you I'm very fun. But what it is, is like, you know, I am happy clown. I'm happy big titty top titty meat freckle face. How you doing, bitch? And so when do you get to the meat and potatoes? You know what I mean? Like, truly, we just want to get to the meat and potatoes. Yes. And you want to be able to have like a conversation with your friends about a certain topic that's relevant to you and likely relevant to them with it being, you know, Keep it light, keep it moving. But sometimes people are like, why you bring that up? You know what I'm saying? It's like, because we can't always talk about love is blind. All right? We have to. <laughs> <laughs> There's other things. You know what uh, I'm saying? By the way, speaking speaking of light, I love the floral print. I like your top. Looks good. Looks fun. Uh, thank you. It's actually a dress with like no back. And I have to say, like, I am definitely living my plus size boho dream in the summertime. I am so glad that the fashion industry has decided to take my money. <laughs> It is nice to wear something that's not black because I say this all the time, like growing up, everything was black and I just look like a Greek widow. People would definitely be like thoughts and prayers every time I went to a pool party. (laughs) So this is very fun for me. So thank you for noticing. Of course. Yes. Of course. I mean, this is a sonic medium, so not everybody knows, but Michelle looks fun. She's got kind of like a half puff sleeve going on or like on the shoulders, a little half puff. Yes. It's giving like a boho Puerto Rico uh-huh. Cinderella. La, 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 la. <laughs> I'm fine. Yeah. There's belts my size, which is very exciting. Like I used to borrow my dad's belts. Oh my God. I mean, now I yeah. would, but like I didn't have Tilda Swinton back in the day to be like, what is this? This is cool. <laughs> Anyways, I'm, I'm cool. 
No, you're fine. Listen, it's just something my six-year-old never says. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. My six-year-old is never like, I'm fine. He's just out there cartwheeling and doing wild stuff and eating worms. He's fun. You know what I'm saying? When we had like a family hang the other day and your son brought a friend, it oh, was yeah. probably the cutest thing I've ever seen. It was giving, it was giving blackish means wonder years. I'm just like, <laughs> I, I'm fun, you guys. I watch TV. I'm cool. Um, I don't. I try. I just fall asleep. But yeah, it was so nice to see like this bright smile on his face because he had a friend with him. You know yeah, what I mean? He has his little partner in crime. He has a couple of them. They're little besties. They're roll dogs. It's amazing. The thing that they do is like every time his friend's mom comes to pick them up, they go hide. Yeah. I'm like, has this ever worked? When you guys, you hide, we always find you. And then I was like, you know what? Just go, go hide. Go ahead. Yeah, it, there is that thing when you're not just a parent, but also a caretaker of children where you're just like, when do you guys figure out what is logical? When do you understand what really makes sense? Yeah. I had this therapist. I no longer have him, but he was, you know, when you get what you need out of a therapist, it's like sort of like going to the same restaurant and getting the same thing all the time. You're like, well, I did it. But um, one invaluable piece of advice that he gave me which I love is that some people are on their own planet. So you just have to learn how to speak their language. Mm. And so I'm always just like, because I have twins and they are so different, but they're still four, you know? Yeah. What makes sense to her don't make sense to him and vice versa. So I'm like speaking all these different languages. And it's just like, yeah, but Otis would say it like that. Oh, can I ask, do they have a, a language, like a secret language between them? Because I hear twins. Yes. Interesting. They always had. They do. Hmm. I try to pick up on it and they don't really say words. They like do motions and point at stuff and do stuff with their faces. So yeah, I hope they don't kill me Um, (laughs) because I'll never see it coming. I'm fun. I'm cool, man. Last words. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? I look like I need a drink. What do you mean? I should stop drinking coffee. I mean, works. So yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, and um, you would be very proud of me. I tried a mushroom chocolate. Or is it a chocolate mushroom? <laughs> what are you, Alice in Wonderland? I love it. You're like, it was a mushroom chocolate. Oh, was it a chocolate mushroom? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, truly, I'm truly so dyslexic. I don't know how it goes. I'm like, I see Woman King and King Woman and people are like, just pick one. I'm like, you tell me which one's right. I will always like, Forget. Right, 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 right. Because I'm cool. I'm fun. I mean, come on. <laughs> but um, it was very dangerous because the chocolate was good. And you know what edibles, you know what happens, you guys. We're always like, um, I don't feel anything. Let me take some more. And that is a mistake. That is a mistake that Kelly Clarkson hasn't written a song about yet. But she wrote about every other mistake. Mm, don't do that. <laughs> so did you have a nice experience? I did. You know, it was towards the end of the night. I already um, had some wine, some great conversation. I was ready yes. to go home and take my shoes off and my bra off. And so, like, I think it hit me on the way home. And then um, it was a nice ride. I saw the lights. They were pretty. Took a shower. Went to bed. Had a good sleep. That's what it's all about. I'm so happy for you. I think it's so strange because, like, I was in the D.A.R.E. program as a kid. You know, I was like, no one is getting drugs into this sanctuary, you know? Thank you, Nancy Reagan. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Nancy Reagan. And I feel like I totally want to change my relationship. Yeah. With with drugs. I'm trying not to take this as like a, a midlife crisis, but I'm like, uh, 
you know, I'm just trying new things and I happen to be 45. Yeah, 100. <laughs> it's all about control, right? Yeah. And it's just like, you're never happy and you're never sad, right? Like in your 20s, you're supposed to fuck around and find out. But then like, it's always like, get your shit together, get your shit together. In your 30s, why aren't you married? Why don't you have kids? In your 40s, it's just like, you should be settled down. Where Whereas your retirement, it's just like, we could still be out here trying new things. You're really never too old. And this is why I was just like, I could retire in Amsterdam because... I went to something called a balloon party there at Paradiso, which is like the Webster Hall. Like that's the place you want to go to for a concert. That was our first date in Amsterdam together. He took me to go see Erica Badu. Okay. Paradiso has this dope party. The weekend between Christmas and New Year's where it's called the balloon party. They have a DJ. Mm. They have a theme. Everyone dresses up like that theme. And then like at a certain hour, a bunch of balloons come down from the ceiling and they all have drugs in them. Oh, that part. Yes. And you pop the balloon, you do drugs and everyone's like, ah, <laughs> And I don't remember the theme when I went. I think it was like mystical or magical or some bullshit. It was years ago. Yeah. But I saw a lady like late 60s, early 70s, dressed up as Snow White, red lips, looking cute, definitely been in the sun. I'm not going to judge her journey, but definitely eating like herring, getting all the fish oil in her body. Hi. Sure. Responsibly high. And I say that because every like, you know, there was a thing where people are just like, you're high, you're fucking crazy. It's like, no. Yeah. She is riding a beautiful wave, enjoying the rest of her life. And I'm like, I could retire here mm -hmm. and be a Puerto Rican Snow White somewhere in the middle of fucking Amsterdam <laughs> with my back fat and top titty meat. You know why? Because I'm fun. <laughs> and on that note, let's have some more fun. Ooh! Let's talk to our guests. Yes. Folks, one time, one time for Jess Tom. Give it a pop Jess. Jess. Oh, my God. What's up? Do you remember the first time we met? I don't remember. I do, actually. Um, this is actually really funny, Michelle. Um, you and I did a gig at Barnard College. Yes! That's what it in, was! In, like, 2015. A long time ago. And they, Were you going there? No. They, oh. they just had me open for you. And, and this is, like, my memory is terrible. I was just going to say I must have been really new at comedy at that time. But you were really good. Oh, thank you. Mm. Did you do like one story the whole time or was it a series of jokes? Because I feel like it was a long bit. To my memory, if it was around when I thought it was, which was like 2015, mm -hmm. I worked at a sex shop at that time. And all of my material was about working at the sex shop. Yes! <laughs> Wait a minute. We have this in our notes and I was going to ask you, but I was like, how is this all coming together? Like it feels yeah. like a Celine Dion coming back to me now. Um, but it wasn't just any sex shop. It was a luxury sex shop. Yes. What is the difference and do I need to know? Yeah. Um, let me think. <laughs> also address. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the key difference between a quote-unquote upscale sex shop and like a kind of standard sex shop is that at a standard sex shop, you walk in, you mind your business, you're wearing sunglasses, you go and get what you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you pay your money and you leave with your shame. And in an upscale sex shop, you walk in and people go, hi, welcome. What can I help you with? Oh, wow. And then you have to divulge to them your... Peccadillos. Secrets. Yeah, that you've never <laughs> told anyone else before. Oh, my goodness. So... Yo. Did you use this in your stand-up? That used to be what all of my stand-up was about. And I used to be like, oh, mm. I wonder what's going to happen after I quit the sex shop. <laughs> like, am I going to have a point of view anymore? <laughs> Do I have a perspective on life? It's hard to follow that act. It's like, when you see the world through the lens of the sex shop, that is pretty wild. People come in with needs. Yeah. 
it was very kind of, I don't know, scandalous and like sensational at the time. But then it turns out most of the details of my life are scandalous and sensational. So. Oh, really? Yeah, there you oh. go, I guess. And what do you mean by that? I mean, you've known there's got to be follow-up. What's been the latest scandal? What's Come going on, on? JT, don't leave us hanging. Well, it's just funny because, like, now, I mean, I just started um, touring with an hour for the first time. I've never done that before. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, sweetie. Thank you. Um, thank you. And so much of my material, I have, like, a... I don't know how long it actually is, but I want to say it's like five to seven minutes just on the kinds of porn I like to watch. Mm-hmm, sure. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like something that was kind of born out of the pandemic. Like, yeah. I just kind of went into like, what's really important to me? And like, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. And now I have to re-enter into the world and be like, this is what I have to say. Like, does anyone want to hear that? I don't know. Like, yes. my parents are sitting in the front row. Like, is that... I mean... Is that what they want to hear? Look, education through love, that's what I say. Education through love and laughter. And honesty and truth. And honestly, we got to live our truth. And so many so many follow-up <laughs> questions. And I know that you have one too, Jordan, because he's got his hands together like a politician <laughs> waiting know, to like, like, like answer a question from like a 15-year-old on the stage. I get it. I get it. I get it. Okay. So I worked retail when I was in high school. Every retail store I worked in, Jersey Mall, there was never like my size, but people my size would come in and I would like try to help them navigate what their choices could be, sort of like be a shoulder to like cry on when they're just like, none mm-hmm. of this fits. And that was just like skater boy clothes. I can't even imagine what kind of role you must take on in a sex shop to help people figure out like the best decision and what it could do for you, but also like kind of let them know that it's okay. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, you're a full-time associate, part-time sex therapist. It was really being a therapist to like Mm. mid-30s straight professional women (sighs) who had like, Mm. yeah, never had an orgasm, like never tried a sex toy. They were Mm. like, is it okay that my boyfriend told me that I smell like... I was like, don't let... He can't tell you that. Mm -hmm. I was like 23 years old, this like 23-year-old queer person yeah, being like, your man can't talk to you that way. But also like, what did I know? (laughs) You knew right from wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing that's really terrifying is that I actually knew a lot more than them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. When you said your parents were in the front row, they came to the hour. They came to see me in San Francisco, which is where I'm from. Aww. Wonderful. And how was? Oh, my God. This is so heavy, you guys. I didn't realize we were going to start off immediately. With that. <laughs> well, you you dropped it. Also, like, Jess, like, when am I going to see you? Like, at a festival and passing in an elevator? Like, I know. Let's just get to yeah. it. So we have to get to the heavy stuff. I want to be just 100% honest with you guys that I just started um, living alone recently. So this is my first social interaction of the day. And... I feel like it's better to be honest about my state of mind in this moment. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing a lot of stuff. So you have you have an hour, which is a really big thing to take an hour out as a comedian, especially one that you're proud of. Yeah. Your parents are watching you perform. They are. Okay. And you're living by yourself. Yes. These are all facts. These are the facts. These are momentous. Yeah. This is adulting next level. Yeah, truly. But I don't want to miss out on what it was like For you to, like, bear your soul in very uh, carefully curated nuggets of funny in front of them. I'm curious if you guys relate 
to any of this, but I feel like the major style in my family is like repression mm-hmm. and like, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. just kind mm-hmm. of not talking about things that everybody Ooh. knows yes. is happening. For me, the biggest thing is that I was like, my parents don't know. And like other family members who also came to the show, they're supportive enough to come out and see me like do this cool thing. But mm-hmm. like they just learned all this stuff about me yep. that they would have had no idea. Yeah. And like really big things like it shows me where the holes are. I'm like, oh, like I haven't talked to some of these people about like mm-hmm transitioning like really huge things in my life yeah yeah that i'm like now i'm gonna talk in like disgusting detail about what this process has been like for me yeah and they don't even know i'm doing it (laughs) it's actually like and this is probably why we're all on this zoom together doing a podcast and we do what we do because it's actually easier for me to process in art what is happening what i'm going through Mm -hmm. and then present it and like that's how i'm going to tell you because I've tried to talk to you my whole life and Mm. it's never a conversation. It is a debate. Sometimes I'm just like, did you hear me? Do you want to say something besides what's for dinner? Totally. It's also like our magic. It's our superpower because we are also helping people have some sort of vocabulary. Like anytime my mom has a question about anything. And her new thing is like, what is non-binary, right? And so I just sent her to Mm. a a Lokes page and I'm like, read what you can, process, come back to a bitch. All of that fucking helps, not just us, but other people too. And we don't even like motherfucker realize, which is also good too, because if we did, we just, I don't know, like ourselves a lot more. (laughs) I know. What would that be like? Imagine that. I don't know. Before I go on stage, I'm like, all I have to do is embrace myself for this hour. Then if I want to, I can go back to hating myself. Yeah. But like for the hour, I got to like myself. And I wonder, what was your family's response? And did you care that much? Or was it just like, we're going to get this over with? What did it feel like? I mean, to give you the basic idea, what happened after the show when I saw my mom was she came right up to me and was like, Jess, TMI. And I was like... (sighs) Like, what did you think I was, you were going to hear here? Yeah. Because, yeah. like, definitely, like, you're right. It is TMI for you, probably. And I actually was like, maybe I should have warned them. No. <laughs> no. You know what? Because you've done enough. Like, you've done the work. Yeah. We got to do what we got to do. I know. And I feel you about, like, the way that the joke is. I actually forget all the time that I'm not a clean comic. And that, like, it's actually quite hard for me to do what people would count as a clean set because I'm like, oh, it's like educational, it's analytical, it's Mm -hmm. metaphorical. I'm like (laughs) painting a picture. I'm not like pumping a stool or anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very, it's very kind of theoretical, but I forget that that's not how people think about sex. I know words, words have power. And especially, sorry to our white male listeners, you guys are the best. Um, But like, (laughs) it is always difficult for people to swallow that pill when you actually have an opinion about it or something. Like, Mm -hmm. if we were to like, take our shirt off on stage and just like yell shit. (laughs) Like, I don't know why that's like a better pill to swallow. Now I'm just going off about stand up. Let's talk about something else, maybe. No, I I, I really, I think it's a moment in all comedians' lives where they have to perform in front of their parents, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just this thing where it's like, 
whatever fantasy you have in your head about how they're going to react is not how they're going to react at all. In that moment, you have to be satisfied with what you've done and let the cards kind of like fall where they may. Because my father heckled me the first time I performed in front of him. No, you know? no, no. What did he say? I think I said something about being broken. He's like, you've never been broken in your life. You don't know what you're talking about. I was like, who said, is that my father? And my father was asked to leave <gasps> this theater that I yeah, was performing. He was. Yeah, yeah, he was. Just remember that. Just remember it can no worse probably than my dad like getting heated. I was like, what are you doing? And then after he's like, I was helping. Uh, I was helping you. Oh my yeah. God. It was I, funny. I was just going to say, I remember the first time we performed together, Jess. Do you remember? It was like a castle or something like that. What? It was like a fortress. <laughs> it was a fortress on like the east side or something. Yes, I think it was an old school, like with a, it was an armory or something like that. It was wild. It was like the city used to have back in the day, right? Because they thought the city would get invaded. So they're like, we got to build some castles around here. So there's like some, they're like hidden, but in plain sight, like one's on 23rd Street, one's like on Park Avenue in like the 60s or whatever. And like, so it's me, Jess, a couple of other people. The dude who directed Boomerang is hosting this night. What? It was wild. To my memory, it was a night of like political comedy. Yes. And like it was another one of those oh, things boy. where like it sort of made sense. It made sense you were on there. It made sense like a lot of the other comics were like older and like wrote for like political late night shows. And then like I was there and it was just kind of one of those things where I was like, oh, yeah, I'm I guess. Yeah. Just by virtue of me being like who I am, like someone has decided that I'm like political. <laughs> my material is all about sex shop. Like <laughs> that is hilarious when you do realize that you are the token. You were the token. We had to wait in this room. It was where they did target practice. What? Back in the day. Yes. And then I looked, I swear to God, the painting, the oil painting, the eyes moved. Jess, I don't know about you, but those eyes were moving. No. This one soldier, like I wasn't this captain looking. was like, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't looking. I went into that building and was like, I don't think I'm supposed to be in here. <laughs> like, I was like, is that charcuterie? I'll have some of that. No. It was redolent with like white supremacy. There were trophies. It was a trophy room. There was no. a trophy room. Sterling trophies. No. We performed in this room. It was like something out of Game of Thrones. No. And it was only Upper East Side retirees. Yes. And I was like, I am dancing for my life up here. Where's that check? It was like a platform in the middle of the room. Yes. With like everybody around us. No. <laughs> like tribute? Yeah. Oh my. It's giving get out. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. It was extremely get out. Yeah. It was very haunted, like old world haunted. I mean, old money means like old views, right? Mm -hmm. And from what I'm hearing, this is their like hope of seeing how the other side lives. Let's invite them over. But like, that's not how you present it. Uh, mm -hmm. That sounds wild. And I've been in shows like that before where I'm like, let me just drop a motherfucker pin. <laughs> right. Does anyone know where I am right now? We have to have a last location. Oh, boo. Are you even? I just want to talk about living alone, if you don't mind, because like... Yes, yes. Totally. You know, we talk about fun shit, real ass shit, but like 
wow, 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 wow. There's nothing more adult than choosing yourself and living alone. Are you in New York? I am. Yeah. I just moved to Brooklyn after living in Queens for like eight years. Oh, wow. Okay. Wonderful. Do you like it? Do you like the neighborhood? I like it, but it's a big change for me. Mm -hmm. It's a big kind of culture shock. Oh, yeah, uh, well, I was living in Woodside, Queens by Jackson Heights. Mm, okay. mm. And I realized in the pandemic that I had basically chosen like proximity to Asian food over like anyone I know. <laughs> LOL. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, when it came time to move, I was like, what if I made the opposite choice? And it turns out it is, it's the exact opposite choice. And I'm not sure. <laughs> that it's worth it to me. I actually am like, maybe I liked all that Asian food. Yeah. Better than anyone I know. Not a lot of hot pot. Yeah. The food in Brooklyn, though, is really great. But like, Queens is Queens and Brooklyn is Brooklyn, right? Yeah. And so it is different. It might be like an overpriced fusion, but there's also like some cute ass shit yeah. in Brooklyn. I do love the community. Totally. But I just moved to the Bronx. And so I miss like Brooklyn Caribbean food. So... Food makes me so happy. I, like, understand. Food is the best. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. I feel like I'm an expat that just came back to America. After leaving Queens, going to... Wow. Going to, uh, Brooklyn. to Brooklyn. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my God. Queens is the most diverse place on the planet, basically, right? So what was your daily, like, menu? Weekly, typically, what would you be eating for dinner? Oh, my God. In Queens, I used to live up the street from Shripa Pie, which is a Thai restaurant that people, mm -hmm. like, drive in from out of state to go to. Oh, my God. Yeah, we would get this papaya salad with fermented crab that the lady would try to talk <laughs> me out of ordering every time. That's how you know when the lady tells you don't order that, you're not going to like it. But it's good. Um, or like, you can't get a return on that um, if you don't like it. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I lived up the street from Red Ribbon Bakery. I would get Holo Holo on the weekends. It was, it was amazing. I would walk around and I was like everybody's vagrant idiot American nephew. Um, <laughs> oh, I love this for you. Everybody was like, ugh, like who is that? Whose child is that? Oh my God, I could smell the sitcom. Let's go, Paul Feig. <laughs> and now I'm in Brooklyn and everybody's like, is that a transmasculine stand-up comic? I'm like, oh, everyone can see me. <laughs> it's shocking, actually. I kind of love this for you, though. It's, it's a switch. It's a switch. What made Brooklyn so cute to you? Like, why Brooklyn? I just wanted to try living close to my friends. I've lived in Queens the entire time I've lived in New York. Mm. And I've lived in New York 10 years next month. Wow. Congrats. Thank you. So I was like, what if I tried to like be near my friends? <laughs> That's a heavy air quotes. <laughs> That's been really cute. Like that aspect of my life has changed completely. But I'm also just learning all this stuff about myself. Like it sounds obvious when I say it now, but I'm like, oh, it was actually really important for me to like live somewhere where Asian people were. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Hmm. Culture is everything. It's real. I 100% agree. Um, there comes a time on our podcast when we transition to questions. Oh my God. Why do you set it up like that? You know what? Because I'm just say awful. This. You're really bad at this. <laughs> okay, so we're going to get to questions. Ooh, this question is wild. Why is everyone able to stay friends with their ex except me? Oh gosh. That's a person needlessly comparing themselves to a projected idea of other people. There's lots of different kinds of people and they have lots of different relationships with lots of different exes. 
And I really think sometimes you don't have to be friends with people. That's right. Mm. You can love them from a distance. Period. Mm. I have never been friends with an ex. They are an ex for a reason. And that's okay. Again, take what you need. I don't know who these people are. It's not real. Also, like, sometimes people go out on a date for, like, they go out on, like, two or three dates, and they're like, oh, that's my ex. No, it's not. (laughs) That's not an ex. Stop it. (laughs) I'm not friends with almost any of my exes. And for me, like, at this point of adulthood that I'm at, I'm kind of looking back and being like, oh, like, maybe I should be trying harder to date people who I could be friends with. Maybe that's a me problem. Well, Nora Ephron, the great Nora Ephron once said, Oh boy. Never date anybody you wouldn't want to break up with. Okay. It's a head spinner, but if you think about it, it's giving alimony. It's giving alimony. That's what it's giving. Friends in, friends out. That's what she's saying. Yes. Ooh. What happened to you, Nora? Ooh, so much. So much. All right, Jordan, what's the next question? Okay. Stand by. I've got it for you. And it's kind of wild. My boyfriend is a morning person, and I am a night owl. He always wants to have sex in the morning. I would rather do it at night. Any advice? Switch off. Yeah, I mean, do both, right? (laughs) Yeah, I don't think that's the problem. Is power control, you think? To me, that sounds like two people who want to have sex with each other. (laughs) And I think they should count their blessings. I think they should be so lucky. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. What a beautiful way of looking at that, Jess. Thank you. Champagne problems. Oh, when do we have sex? In the morning <laughs> or the night? Wow. I wish I could have a problem like that. Yeah, I mean, whatever happened to Afternoon Delight? Like, split the difference, people. You know? Come on. Mm-hmm. Um, this question is for you because somebody found out you were going to be on our show. Oh. I recently came out as queer. I want to come out to my dad, but I'm really nervous about doing so. Are there any thoughts on how I should approach him? I mean, this is so funny, a question when literally earlier we were just talking about how I don't tell my family anything. (laughs) (laughs) So, and I mean, this comes up, you know, like people ask me this kind of stuff a lot because I've been like out publicly as like various different things for literally almost 20 years of my life. Mm -hmm. So they think I know things like this. And I don't like, and that's almost... (laughs) Kind of my comforting answer is that Mm -hmm. I'm like, listen, like, you can do this for more than half your life and, like, still have questions Mm. and, like, still not know the exact right way to approach these things with your family. Right. And I'm sort of like, you know, only you know your relationship with your dad. Right. And only you know, like, the best way to talk to him about it. And if you feel like you can trust him, you know, with your truth, then, like, that's amazing. And, like, I hope you can do that. I hope you can, like, tell him that and share that part of your life with him. Also, no matter what happens, I do believe that you will find your village, your chosen family, people that will love you for you wholly because you are more than enough. Like, you are everything. And, you know, sometimes people that we are related to don't understand, don't see it because maybe they're unhappy. They haven't worked on their shit, generational bullshit. There's like a thousand reasons why somebody would not understand or not be happy for you living your truth. But like, man, oh man, it's harder, but so much better and sweeter and uh, in so many other ways. So you stand in the sun, you shine. Yeah. Okay. We have our final question. LOL, Jordan. 
It's a scorcher. <laughs> um, is it okay for kids to call adults by their first names? Oh, God. Oh, my God. Is this going to split the room? It might. It might. Because I got kids now, so it might. You're looking this way. You're looking out that way. I'm just like, like <laughs> you know, because it was different before I had kids. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's like a rich white person thing to do to be like, mm. you know, Peter is just like, no, put right. some respect on it. But not everybody. Like, my kids do not have to, they don't have to call everybody by their name. They don't need to know this many adults. Mm -hmm. So the adults that they do know, they don't even call you by your name. That's Alina's dad. Oh, Alina's dad? I'm oh, sorry. That is, sorry. I'm, that's <laughs> Izzy's <Okay>. dad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alina's his wife. I just fucked up. <laughs> Let me find out. What's up? <laughs> That's Elena's daddy. Um, <laughs> Lord. Thank you for yeah, this yeah. PSA. Um, Jess, I'm sorry you had to hear that. Um, I love to <laughs> learn about you. I love to see the colors of your world. Thank you so much. <laughs> Should kids have to... I mean, look, I grew up in the South and everybody was Mr. and Miss. And respect was put at a premium because prior to that, Black people were disrespected. So I have to definitely respect that and acknowledge that. And that that is a cultural thing that, that comes from a real place. I saw people that were called, you know, I'd say like Mr. Ducey. And then like some white person would be like, oh, hey, Bobby. You know, and it'd be like, woof, you know. And to be called boy your whole life and never to be regarded as a man or never be regarded as a woman called girl or gal. Or at the end of your life, you were called uncle, maybe. We have to remember, this is like, Within a hundred years, you know, this is like, this is a lot. Of course, our country is big, so it is a patchwork. So I think like, depending on what your community standards are, given the history, like, I know that my family in Mississippi, they definitely do say like Mr. and Mrs. But in the Northeast, we don't do that as much. Mr. and Mrs. for me is a lot like, I, we, we don't need to do all that. Because I am not from the South. And I think the kids knowing what everybody does, like who they are, like that is Izzy's dad. Where's Izzy's dad? That's your name. Yeah. They don't need to know your name. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're not going half these on an Uber Eats plan. You know what I mean? That's Izzy's dad. Yeah. So yeah. And then, you know, because there is such a wonderfully wild queer community in my life that is also helping me raise my kids. Michael's auntie, mm -hmm. but Terry's always auntie. I think it really depends on the person. I think there are echoes of it, you know, with, with, with the conversation surrounding pronouns. It's like respect, title, calling people what they feel they need to be called is a universal thing. Nicknames. I love me a nickname. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's interesting how, yeah, racialized that question is, maybe without yeah. them meaning it. I'm Asian, if you can't tell from my whole family dynamic. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting because like I went to private high school. We called all mm. the teachers by their first names. And mm -hmm. like that was a really dis distinctive thing about that school. Mm -hmm. But hearing you guys talk and hearing you talk, Michelle, I am like, oh, was that just a rich white people thing? I mean, it was. Yes. And like, that's how I learned to do that. And actually, I do think I called everybody auntie and uncle growing up. I have a lot of aunties and uncles. I don't even know what my kids should call you now, Jordan, but we can move on from that. So we asked, 
All our guests on the show, what is the most adult thing you want to do for yourself that you haven't had time to do for yourself this year? And it really could be any motherfucking thing. You're already doing grown level stuff, by the way. Thank you. You got to take your own garbage out? You got to walk the spider out yourself? Thank you. <laughs> I leave spiders be. I like spiders. They're they're good for the space. They eat bugs. Yep. Um, Before, okay. <laughs> to prepare... For this today, <laughs> I listened to a couple of episodes of the podcast. Thank and, you for doing that. Oh, of course, of course. I always need to know what kind of room I'm walking into. I listened to the episode with Joel Kim Booster, which was very specifically about kind of like finding your person and like being ready for love and being ready to commit to love. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so beautiful. And I'm in kind of an opposite mode right now. Okay. My entire adult life, I've been in like relationship after relationship after relationship, Mm -hmm. being like, is this my true love? Every time. (laughs) Now I'm actually kind of sitting with myself and being like, oh, I wonder what it's like to actually, not that I'm necessarily planning for this, but like to grow old and be single for a long time. Yeah. Mm. Gotta tell you, you moved to the right borough for that shit. Oh my gosh. It's a very fun borough to explore and figure out who you are. And I always use this tired-ass example of Julia Roberts in Runaway Bride. How do you like your eggs? Because she just kept getting married to like, or or like almost married to a bunch of guys. And she's like, I like my eggs like this. And then she realizes that like for the last 20 years, she's only liked her eggs the way everybody else liked their eggs. That's real. I have a whole thing about like learning exactly how my partners have liked their eggs cooked. Really? And cooking them. Getting it exactly right. Yes, yes. And so it's like, wow. who's getting our eggs right and how do we like our eggs? So mm-hmm. I can't I can't wait to find out how you like your eggs. Mm. Well, I might be cooking my own eggs for a while. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for coming on, Jess. Yes. Thank you, Jess. Thank you so much for having me. How about Jess? That was that was fantastic. That was such a good convo. Yeah, I mean, they have a lot of power. Mm-hmm. Talking to them is a clear case of you do what you can do for you. You can't mm-hmm. control other people. Like, mm-hmm. protect your peace. Yeah. And if that means not talking to somebody that you are related to, then do you. Because that's really what it is. And also, like, what a interesting conversation as we have more non-binary royalty in our life what are our kids going to call them? Yeah. We can't be stuck to Mrs. and Mrs. and Auntie and Uncle. No. Nah. I do do a gunkle. I have a big gunkle. A gunkle? Yeah. Who's the gunkle? Oh, so many gunkles. <laughs> I think it's one of those things where the crazy part is it's not written. So we'll have to all figure it out. We got to get Natasha Bedingfield to be like, the truth is still unwritten. Oh, no. Standing. No? And the ten for you. for something in the distance. The rest is still unwritten. Oh mm-hmm. my god! Well, um, this is why I think people like Jess are very important because as the world evolves, so do we, as we should. Um, because if you are small-minded, then your world is small. And isn't it so mm. nice just to learn something new and love something deeper? Look at you. Put these gems out on the airwaves. I love it. This is what happens when she has a little sip of water. She's fun. <laughs> it's more important than we'll ever know. Sure. I remember seeing Roseanne Barr do stand-up on Johnny Carson. I'm like, whoa, what a wild mom 
saying like mean things that are really funny and true about her kids and her life. And I'm like, Mm. This is wild. <laughs> and like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it's wild. Like, just someone like living their truth. I mean, didn't hold up. But the point is, yeah. when you are living your truth, wow, man, do you open so many other doors for people that you don't even know? It's a weird thing because it's like bleeding edge becomes mainstream. And the most important part is to stay open, as open as you were when you were bleeding edge, you know? I don't, you lost me at bleeding. Bleeding edge means edginess, just like if you're on the edge. Thank you. So it's like, if you're avant-garde and then you become mainstream, you just need to remember those days when you were hungry and put your arm around it for those coming up. Because all too often these days, I feel like people that make it mainstream are just like, they get crusty and I hate it. Yeah, I I 100% agree. Bleeding edge. When you said bleeding edge, I was like, do I need a diva cup? You guys, thank you so much for hanging out with us. (laughs) Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for listening. Um, definitely follow us at Adulting the Pot on Instagram and just DM us your questions because mm-hmm. we love to answer them or at least try. Okay, bitch, wash your hands, especially under your fingernails because you're nasty. Bye. This has been an Exactly Right production. Our senior producer is Jiha Lee. Our associate producer is Alex Chi. This episode was mixed by John Bradley. Our guest booker is Patrick Kotner. Additional production support from Hannah Kyle Crichton. Theme song and live show DJing is by Don Will. Our live show producer is Marianne Ways. Artwork by Jamie Bechtel. Photography by Reis Vandermost. Executive produced by Karen Kilgara, Georgia Hardstark, and Danielle Kramer. Follow the show on Instagram at adultingthepod. Email your questions to adultingquestions at gmail.com. Follow Adulting with Michelle Buteau and Jordan Carlos on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show and visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase adulting merch.